For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We got another episode of Dirt Talk. Currently, it is Sunday morning, um, and I'm very excited. I'm a little, oh, you know, under the weather. A few too many drinks last night, but we are we're back in business with a, a great conversation with Mr. Tom Gardaki, also known as the Dirt Ninja. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing pretty good. I am. Uh, I am also a little tired, but that's because I have a, a two week old baby. So different, <laughs> different stages in life. Different stages in life. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's the okay. uh, you'll get there eventually. Is it your? Is it your first child? It is. Yeah, we had uh, my wife and I had a, a baby boy, Owen, um, on the sixth. So actually, we're almost three weeks old. So we're uh, we're doing pretty good. Lots little lack of sleep, but that's uh, kind of to be expected. And I'm kind of thinking at this point I need to invest in like a diaper factory or something because uh, I'm pretty sure we could supply ourselves from the factory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, probably pretty big adjustment for the first kid, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, kind of. I've had a lot of friends uh, who have had babies recently, so we were luckily able to talk to them and figure out what we needed, but nothing really can prepare you for actually having the kid and taking care of them. And, you know, you're in the hospital and then they they send you home and they're like, yeah, good luck. (laughs) And they don't really uh, tell you too much. So you kind of just figure it out on your own, but uh, he's alive and well. And uh, so I guess we're doing good. Were you allowed to be around in the hospital with the, all the coronavirus stuff? Uh, luckily, we were. Um, it, was, it was a little screwy. We uh, we went in the middle of the night, um, around midnight, and so you have to go into the emergency room because the main hospital's closed because of COVID. And they take my wife in, and they have to uh, take her up and make sure that she's in labor. And I had to go back out of the emergency room and sit in my car for 20 minutes before they called me and told me, I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty confident she's in labor. So it was a a little (laughs) screwy, but it was nice enough that I was able to go in. We weren't able to have any visitors. So once you're inside, it's kind of business as usual, but uh, it was just a little weird how you had to get in. Gotcha. So... I guess going into the, the whole dirt thing, where did the name the Dirt Ninja come from? Uh, so I actually started off as a different name on YouTube. So I started on YouTube uh, in 
10. So I've been on Jeez. for quite a while. Wow. And uh, went to Facebook after that and then Instagram most recently. And it was just, you know, started having fun. To be honest with you, I watched YouTube as a kid, watching people dig holes. And I was like, maybe I can do that. So it kind of started off as that. I think my parents, I kind of have a similar story to Chris plus dig 18 and uh, just kind of my parents gave me a digital camera one year for Christmas and taking pictures at the job site and I was like oh maybe I can make some videos so you go back on my channel a ways you can find some pretty pretty awful videos but uh, <laughs> you gotta start somewhere and uh, it's kind of evolved over time to what it is now just to be honest with you, it's, I have a ton of fun with it I talk with so many people from all over the world. It's such a great resource for any business owners or anybody in the industry. You can talk to anybody. You know, if you're a business owner and you're not leveraging social media in some form. You're kind of kind of doing things wrong, in my opinion. You have all that knowledge out there, and you'll find if you message people, the majority of people will get back to you. Yeah. And I'm more than happy to give you information about whatever. It could be a, a product or a machine or how they do something or office stuff, you know, doing the books. Like, all that knowledge is right out there. It's just, you know, it's a cool time that we live in that you can, like, when we bought our tilt rotator, nobody had really had one in the United States. So I talked to people in Europe and ask them what brands were best and what attachments we should get. Like, how would I have done that even 10, you know, 12 years ago? Like, it just wouldn't have happened. So you have all those resources there. It's a cool space. It is pretty wild. I mean, I, I wouldn't have a business without it. There's no way. And, and that's how we've done a lot of our hiring. That's how we've done a lot of our business development. That's how we've created some some of the change we have it's all around social media which is it it is a pretty wild thing what what did the the videos when you first started out like what what were they and what was the business like and i guess where were you at you know 10 years ago as far as digging holes go so 10 years ago i would have been uh working for my parents they own a landscaping slash hardscaping business. They've been in business for, I think, about 45 years, uh, so a long, long time. So that's kind of how I got my whole start in construction. been on the equipment literally since I was four. I've been running machines on job sites since I was 10. Mm. Um, so it's just kind of that whole thing got me into it. So all the videos and content from back then, would be from, uh, you know, things I was doing for their business. Mostly just, it was all, you know, it's compact equipment, skid steers, your favorite thing, and oh, yeah. excavators. So, oh yeah, you'd love it if you go back there. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess I know um, what I'm doing the rest you know, of the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, don't go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so you kind of just made it up as you went? Yeah, literally there was there was no like end goal. There was not like I want to be famous or I want to make a ton of money or anything like that. It was just like let's post videos and see what the hell happens. And um, it never really took off, to be honest with you, until like I think it was a solid two years that 
you know, it was just like, I'm just going to keep uploading for these 10 views that I get. And then I had a video go viral and it was of me running a mini excavator, stacking two beer bottles on top of each other and then putting a golf ball on top. And it was, I think it's around like 2 million views today. And, uh, I got, I think in like three days I had a million views. So it was kind of cool. I got, I got interviewed by my local news station. I was, I had used Sam Adams beer bottles. They asked permission to repost them. I put repost the video on their website. I was on like the front page of Yahoo. And so it was just kind of one of those things that just happened. And then my page, YouTube page really took off from there. And that's when I actually like started earning a little bit of money off of YouTube, which was nice to help, you know, pay for some of my cameras and stuff like that. And it kind of took off from there and it is, it is now. So when did you when did you leave the family landscaping business and go off on your own? Because now, nowadays you're off on your own. You know, you're, it's Next Era, correct? Is the company? Uh, new Era. New Era. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, yeah. New Era. Yep. Well, it actually used to be Next Era, but I got a cease and desist letter from Next Era Energy. Love um, it. Wow. They're like the largest energy producer in the United States. They own like 25 nuclear power plants. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I talked to my lawyer and he's like, yeah, unless you want to like spend a hundred grand, I just suggest changing your name. So that's what we did. <laughs> so that's a fun little story. You, you <laughs> got their awesome. attention though. I mean, that must, uh, yeah. that must feel good. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Uh, it didn't feel good when you have to, I mean, think about your business and if you had to change everything that was in your business name to something else, like credit cards, accounts, like truck payment, like everything. It was a nightmare. But well, well, and that's why, happened. I guess for our business, that's why I went with what we went with because it was just a totally made up name that I knew was right. original. <laughs> and so I could, yep. that was that was one of the, there were a few other names and I wish I remember what, what I wanted to go with initially, but there were a few others that were, already taken on social media, which is how I decided on, yep. on BuildWit because it wasn't taken anywhere. And I knew that for, for a fact, cause it was just made up. So we've been able to swipe yep. it, swipe it everywhere. So we haven't had to go through that. Fortunately, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I wish I, I, I wish I got a little more research. Well, I, I, I do. I, I wish I've, I've got, uh, I always like it when people get cease and desist letters because that means you're doing something right in my opinion. And I think they're kind of funny yeah. and I haven't got many of those, which has bummed me out. <laughs> I'm sure they're coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One day. Um, yeah. So when when did you but, uh, when did you officially start the company? So my partner and I, Craig, started the company five years ago in 2015. So I actually still help my parents out. So I'm not technically, I guess, I'm not a full time employee of my own business yet. Although some weeks I still manage to work 40 hours in three days myself but I still help my parents out there they're very close to retirement and they're another extremely small business and they rely on me a lot to just you know help them out run the equipment and drive the trucks you know run the job sites do stuff like that so I actually still work for them Monday through Wednesday Um, and then Thursday Friday Saturday and sometimes Sunday uh, work for myself so Started 2015, we hired our first employee, Pat, who, uh, you know, totally got me on this podcast. I'm going to have to hire him as my agent. He is probably the greatest person in the world. 
he did pay me to say that. Yeah. But yeah. um Yeah, none of that is he, true. Uh, but Exactly. Yeah. There's a little asterisk, you just can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh, so I hired him in August and uh so we kinda operate on like two and a half employees right now. So what I guess with the landscaping company, what happens when your parents retire? I mean, where does the company go? Do you keep running it or does it dissolve? Like, what is that? What, what happens there? Uh, not really interested in their business. Um, yeah. And to be honest with you, I've always been one person to kind of want to do my own thing. Because yeah. um, it'd be very easy for me to step into their business and just keep it going. They they literally don't do any advertising. They're super well known in the area here. But I've I don't know. I've I've kind of lost my interest in the uh, the hardscaping. I've always really enjoyed running equipment. It's really my passion. So I figure if I can have the excavation business and you know run equipment, then I think I'm going to be a lot happier in life. And I also look at landscaping and hardscaping is extremely labor intensive. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you have all the latest and greatest tools, which my parents do, it's still, you know, my dad had knee surgeries, elbow surgeries, wrist surgeries. You know, it's like one of those things that just kind of beats up your body and seeing what they've where they're at now, you know, like health wise, I don't want to, you know, go through that or try not to. So, and they've always been very supportive of me of, you know, whatever I wanted to do, which is awesome. And they weren't always like, you have to do this, you have to take over the business. Um, it was kind of whatever I wanted to do was whatever I wanted to do. So it was really nice. So with, with starting the company, I didn't know, I didn't even know you had a partner until, I met him at Con Expo this past year along with our good friend Pat. What yep. was how did that come about? Cuz I've I've talked to a lot of business owners on here and just in general and and you know most of the folks I've talked with. Most of them mm-hmm. don't have partners. So what was the what was the line of thinking there as far as um becoming partners with someone from the beginning and what advantages has that given you guys? So I've known uh, Craig for quite a while. We actually grew up in the same town, although I didn't really know him until I think it was like my senior year of high school. Uh, We ended up taking an engineering class together and got to know him a little bit. And then we both went to the University of New Hampshire for the same exact construction management program. And then we both stayed for business management as well. And then once college finished I stayed in touch with them and we remained friends and we do like little things on the weekends for people we'd rent you know like my parents equipment and go put in some sonitudes for a deck or you know little stuff like that and in uh so I graduated in 2009 in 2010 I started a uh, real estate company with a different person and we were looking to bring on another person. And so we brought on Craig. Mm. So it's the three of us. We still own the business. Um, it's uh, rental properties. And so I got to know Craig and he got to know me as, you know, being more than just friends because there's a big difference between being business partners and being friends and hopefully keeping both of those together. Yeah. So, you know, I realized that, 
you know, he was somebody that I could definitely rely on and that I could trust and that I could work well with. Um, and I, I would venture a guess he would say the same thing because <laughs> rental properties uh, stress you out a little bit when you get phone calls at 2 a.m. about heat not working and all the other crap that you have to deal with with tenants. So it, it tells you a lot about people that you deal with in those situations. So I got a real good sense of, you know, how Craig would be. And we ended up doing some little side stuff for a, a local builder in town that I had a connection with. And we ended up buying his John Deere 200 excavator. And that was our first machine. We still own it today. Wow. Um, and it's kind of gone from there. And to be honest with you, I think it works so well because we're very different. I'm, I do all the books. Um, I do all the scheduling. He's not good at that stuff, but he is, he has way more, way more experience than me with on-site stuff. Like he's a thousand times better than me at reading plans and figuring out grades. He's the one who has his septic installer's license. I don't even have that personally. So he is like a rock star on the job site, making sure everything goes well. He's the one who schedules all the materials to get delivered, all our machines to get moved. So we kind of each have our own role. And I think that's why it works well. And we don't really step on each other's toes in those roles. Obviously, there are some points where that happens. uh, But for the most part, we kind of do our own thing. Um, And I think that's really why it works. And, you know, having two people that are really invested in the business, I think just gives us a little bit more of an advantage over some of the other small companies here because we have two people. So like I can go do an estimate on Monday night and he can go do one on Tuesday night and we can both do the quotes. Like it's just, it's like spreading that workload, you know, out to two people helps a lot. Gotcha. I've thought a lot about this too, like in my own business, do I take on partners or a partner or we haven't yet, but I guess that's the thing about business. There's really no right or wrong way to do it. It's just whatever works for you guys. Have you guys, have you guys ever got into it over certain issues? Have you ever totally disagreed with one another? Um, I would say yes. It's very rare, to be honest with you. I can't really think of specific instances off the top of my head, which yeah. means it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, you know, it's more about, I would say we disagree on like how, how to do the job, maybe, mm. uh, the most. And it's just a difference of opinion of, you know, what part we should do first or, or whatever. And to be honest with you, he's usually right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because... Because he knows, you know, to be honest with you, I'm still learning. I've never, you know, I never laid drainage pipe in my life before owning this business. I never installed a septic system. So, you know, it's, uh, I'll be like, okay, just get on, you know, I'm good at running equipment and moving dirt. So I'll get on the site and just want to go crazy and move dirt. He's like, okay, well, maybe we should think about this and and do it in the proper order. So, Gotcha. I guess... At what point did you guys have to hire someone on? Why, why go hire Pat? Uh, what what prompted that decision after a few years of going at it with just the two of you? Um, it was our growth, so we're very conservative with our growth. We want to grow slowly, 
Um, and we also don't want to be a big company. I'd say, I don't know, this was this is where we might disagree, but uh, somewhere around 10, 10 people, I'd say. So we kind of got to the point. So it was a struggle, to be honest with you. So when I can only work on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and I am the better equipment operator, so it's we always tried to like do our schedule where Craig would, you know, do some things that he could do on his own because there's only certain things you can do on your own as well. So maybe he'd put together a septic system and then I'd come in at the end of the week and run the equipment and help him backfill. And so it was just a huge struggle, like logistics wise with only having one and a half people basically. So we just got to that point where we were basically buried in work and we said, well, hell, how the hell are we going to get this done without losing all of our builders and our clients and everything like that, you know, without pissing them off because we can't get it done in a timely fashion for them. Yeah. And, uh, we thought about hiring somebody and it's kind of funny, you know, Pat had helped us out on a couple of like weekend projects and got to know him, met him totally through social media. So that's another way you know, we, we found him through social media. So again, business owners should use it. And he came in and ran a, a dozer on a project for us for a weekend. And we just started talking. And he, you know, basically said he wasn't that happy with where he was at. And I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe we could make something work. And uh, started talking to him. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know if we can offer you, you know, he worked for a big company and I don't know if we can offer you, you know, what you're making and benefits and all that type of stuff. But we ended up making him an offer and uh, he ended up coming over. So I think the biggest thing is, is that we're just very flexible. You know, he's got two young kids and now Craig has a kid, I have a kid. So we're all in the same boat and, you know, when Pat needs to drop his kid off every Monday at eight o'clock in the morning. That's fine. Yeah. Like we know the schedule. He can be in at nine on Mondays and Craig, when Craig needs to go pick his kid up at the end of the day and he's got to leave at two on Tuesdays, like that's no problem. Like we just make it work, you know? So we're, we're very flexible. It's, you know, you need time off. You need time off. You get a, everybody's got a family. I think some of these big companies, especially around here, like lose sight of that, you know, it's, when you hear some of the companies that not allowed to take a day off from April 1st to December 1st and Saturdays are mandatory, you know, there's, these are people that work for you. And when you treat them like that, you know, I guess you need to expect that they're going to leave. So, you know, yep. we try and try and treat Pat fair and pay him a good wage. And, you know, I, I think he's happy. So well, I've never, I've never understood that. <sighs> most companies, they just have no understanding of people's lives and, and, and just control these people's lives. Like, no, you're here, you know, seven to five, five, six days a week, sometimes seven. And that's just how it is. And, and, and we give you a paycheck and that's all you get in return from us. We're, but we're in control of you. Otherwise it's just, especially for our generation, that's not how we want to do things anymore. And that's not how it should be and not how it has to be with so many flexible jobs out there now that our industry is now competing with because we're not just competing with ourselves we're competing with uber and 
Amazon and all these other companies as well that are a hell of a lot more flexible than, than what we offer. And it, so that's what we try to do with our own business too, is just, Hey, if you have to go, you know, pick up your kid or you have to go take a day off that then do it. You don't need to go ask. I mean, just, just let us know, but, right. but go do it. Cause I know you have a life. It's not all about work here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that goes yeah. a long ways. Has it, uh, it does. like at, at what point, at what, at what point do you just have to go a hundred percent in on the excavation company? I mean, how, how long do you have working for the landscape company? Isn't that, unsustainable, especially now that you're, you're a parent. I mean, now that your time is probably more strained than ever before, how long does that last for? Uh, yeah, it is unsustainable. Luckily my parents are probably going to retire in the next uh, year or two. So I don't know. It's a tough thing to deal with, to be honest with you, because I obviously don't want to like run out on my parents at the last minute and kind of screw them over because my dad's, 65 so you know he's getting older and he can't really do all the physical stuff so i don't want to like send him back into the field you know what i mean to go lift pavers when he's 65 years old so it's a very uh it's something that i struggle with constantly my my hope is that they retire sooner than later yeah and i think they might do that um so we'll just have to see what happens but uh and and they know that too that i am very busy um you know i could be full-time right now no problem and keep myself busy with our own work and they realize that so you know any days they don't really need me they let me you know come do my own thing so you know they're very receptive to it and they do the best that they can but yes at some point i will have to break away if they don't retire Gotcha. What, uh, I mean, how do you, how do you balance that too with, you know, having a wife and now, now a newborn, I know the newborn's still uh, a new thing, but how, how have you balanced that, you know, dating and then, you know, marrying someone, I mean, working seven days a week, that's most of your time. So how have you been able to do that? And we got disconnected. Modern technology. Gotta love it. My question upset you that much, huh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that was me or not. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. All right. Well, um, so yeah, as far as like relationships, friendships outside of work, how have you balanced that while working seven days a week? I mean, your, 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 your time seems pretty damn strained. You got your company, you got your parents' company, you got the rental company, you got a lot going on and it sounds like you just kind of work all the time. So how do you get, how do you make time for, for life outside of work? Uh, you have to, you just have to put things aside and, and just take time. I'm very fortunate. Uh, my wife, uh, is very understanding. She is awesome. She actually grew up, her parents own a small excavation business and they've very recently retired. So I don't want to say she's used to it, um, but it helps a little bit. She's very understanding. She knows what it takes, but you just have to take time and put it aside and do it and you know I try and be as efficient as possible with anything that I do so I mean if you see all my stuff online like we literally own all the top of the line stuff for making us more efficient making job sites go quicker but it goes all the way back to my office and computer and 
you know, the programs we use, QuickBooks, and how we do our quotes, and like all that stuff, just because I know that if a computer program is going to save me a half an hour a day of paperwork or something like that, then I'm going to do it because it's going to get me an extra half an hour, you know, with my family. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big, big believer in all, all that type of stuff to kind of make you do or make you do the same amount of stuff in less time. Gotcha. It is amazing how you guys do look a hell of a lot bigger than you are. Like for two and a half people, your company, I guess for what you, what I see on social media, cause I've never seen you guys in person. It looks like you guys are pretty damn big. I mean, especially that, that the, the recent jobs that you guys have been doing and taking on, they're not small jobs for, for two and a half people. And then all your equipment is really not, I mean, you guys have some top of the line stuff for such a small business. Yeah. We're so my, I, I guess I kind of get it from my parents. My parents have always been willing to invest anything. Literally, if one of the guys sees something on YouTube that worked for them and they're like, this will make my life easier, my dad will go and buy it. Wow. And I try and do that same philosophy. Um, unfortunately, stuff for excavation is a little more expensive than landscaping. Yeah. Uh, so we have to kind of do it when we can. But yeah, I mean... I would say we do the work of uh, a regular company around here that has six, eight people, something like that, with yeah. basically two and a half people, just with the technology and the machines and everything that we use. We, on average, I would say, have like eight to ten house lots going at once. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, so it, it's kind of crazy, but it allows us all these things that we, these tools that we implement, you know, allow us to keep up with that workload. And, you know, we're doing some pretty cool stuff, to be honest with you. I'm very proud of the work that we're doing right now. I never thought that we would be working for the people that we're working for, have the equipment that we have, you know, in five years of being in business. I had this conversation with Craig just a couple of weeks ago. I was like, you ever think we'd own a 36-ton excavator? at five years in business and no so it's been kind of crazy and i think it's a big testament to you know the quality of work that we do our attentiveness to our customers you know it's a testament to pat and how he's helped us out to be honest with you you know he's been a huge asset to us and i don't know it's been really good i'm very proud of where we're at is it do you ever get super overwhelmed with how much is going on Absolutely. Yeah. My biggest problem is being overwhelmed with how we're going to get the work done. Uh. Um, it's just, it's a, because we're so small, we don't have everything that we need to do a job. You know, we don't have a low boy. We don't have trucks to deliver materials. So it's not just getting the material or getting the jobs done. It's how do we get them done? because we rely so much on other people because of moving equipment, getting materials delivered, some subcontractors that we use. So it's just, we rely on a lot of other people. So we're, we have to be extremely, extremely organized. We have to have a plan every week of what we're doing every day. And, you know, it's construction. It doesn't, it almost never goes to plan. Yeah. So we always joke, we make 
our schedule is a week in advance and then it changes every day. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have to just make it work. You know, we, with the subcontractors, like a, a really, really big thing with me is all of my bills that we get, get paid almost the same day that I get them. Wow. Um, I know a lot of companies pay them like once a month or once a week or stuff like that. But I always like to be ahead of them. So I almost write a check every single night to somebody for a bill that I've gotten. And I think that gives us a huge advantage because when I make that phone call at eight o'clock at night and I need a machine moved the next morning, they're going to move it because they know they get paid right away. Um, So I think that's actually been like a huge asset to us of just paying your bill. You know, I, I talked to so many you know, all these guys that move equipment for us. I'm like, oh, you know, how's it going? Oh, great. But nobody pays us on time, you know? So take care of your uh, subs and they'll take care of you. It is crazy. You don't understand before you get in a business that some people just don't pay. And yeah. it, you, you can't really do anything about it. It's like, well, are you going to threaten legal action? Or you, you, you're, you're kind of screwed as a business owner when people don't pay or Maybe they pay, but yeah, they just pay super slowly. So you've already done the work. You're out all that money and you're just sitting around waiting for it to come in the door when you don't have bags of money just sitting around to throw at things. And so you're sweating bullets. Like, when am I going to get this money? And it's, that's pretty damn common. Yeah. Especially as a small, you know, new business that's, you know, when the bank account gets down to like 20 grand, (laughs) you're like, um, okay. I've paid all my bills, so as Mr. Starbucks says, get the money, get the money, get the money. So yeah. This is very true. Yeah. Well, with the with the business, so you guys both went to college for construction management. Does that come into play? That's a great question. Um, like, what were, the, what were your key takeaways from college? The business side of it. Yeah. Was my, my key takeaway, yeah. I mean, I learned, you know, how to I, – I did learn stuff from the construction management, you know, how to read plans, how to run CAD, all that type of stuff, grades, did a surveying class. I I went to a tech school, so I got an associate's degree in the construction management and associate's degree in business management. Um, So, you know, I probably could have learned the same thing just working for somebody else. I don't think I would have learned the the stuff about business from somebody else. Um, So I very much think the business program was worth it. You know, it's, it's something that I get asked all the time from people like messaging me. Oh, I want to get into it. You know, I'm thinking about going to college or I'm thinking of getting just straight into the trades. And it's a really tough thing for me to answer just because college does teach you a lot. And it's, I mean, you learn a lot about like who you are and social things and how to get along with people and, it's not necessarily the things you learn in the class from college that can be the most beneficial, I think. So I think it really just depends on the person if it's, if it's worth it. They got to really, you know, want to do it. I think. I agree. I, I, for me, I think it is somewhat unfair for society to expect an 18 year old kid to know what the hell they're going to do for the rest of their life in college for me. Uh, Cause I went four years in engineering and it did help me just kind of explore life 
and meet new people and learn more about myself. And when you come out at 22 years old, it's not so much the knowledge, but you just have a much greater perspective on life that you did not have at 18 years old. And then from there, you can actually make mildly educated decisions on what you want to do with the rest of your life. So I definitely, I definitely agree with you there. It is interesting though, that both of you guys have degrees because that is unique. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for our situation, I think it's, it's definitely been beneficial, especially with, you know, Craig did business stuff as well. So even though he doesn't do the books, he understands, you know, how stuff works on the business side, which is super important because I tell people all the time, like you can be a terrible businessman, but a great contractor and go out of business because you don't know how to manage your finances and you can be an awful contractor, but really good at the books. And you could probably make it work. I totally agree. Well, I see, I see a lot of people in this industry. They're great contractors. They can dig a hole like no one's business. But as far as operating a business goes, they're horrible at it. And and, and a lot of these people, they're not going to necessarily go out of business. They're just kind of, you know, kind of spin their wheels. I think for for a long time, a lot of them, they just sit there and basically kind of make it for decades and don't really go any any don't go beyond that just because they don't understand the business side of things. It's, right. it's, it's amazing. It's just amazing to me how little time they spend on the business. They, they, they work and work and work. They're just the hardest working people. They'll do anything in the field and then they forget about the actual business itself. And that's how everything runs. Yep. Yeah. You got to do all the work on the back end. What are, what are some of the business mistakes you guys have made? Um, I don't know. We haven't, made all too many we definitely should have hired somebody sooner i can tell you that for sure yeah Uh, it was you know last year before we hired pat was rough it was we were working seven days a week i would get 40 hours in with my parents and i'd get 40 to 50 plus in for myself and it was like an unsustainable you know pace i don't know what i Things seem to be going pretty well, to be honest with you. And I'm sure we're going to be coming up on some hardships and we'll have to face those as we go. You know, we've had a couple people not pay us. Uh, that really sucked. It was luckily not a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we should have stuck with our gut. It was, you know, homeowners. And you just kind of get that bad feeling when you go and do an estimate. And then you decide to do the work anyways, and then they don't pay you. So it's kind of like trusting your gut. Need to need to work on that for sure. It is amazing. Well, it is. It's just amazing how accurate your gut can be, and and I mean we've gotten out of deals that purely based on gut decision too. And then you know a lot of the best decisions of my life have been gut decisions, and and you just can't really quantify why. And there's no, a lot of times there's no basis, like logical basis as far as why your gut's like this and why you need to make your decision this way. But then you look back on it, you're like, oh, thank goodness. Like, wow, that could have been bad. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's amazing how accurate your gut can be with such limited information sometimes. Yeah, yeah. trust your instincts. Yeah. All right. Well, as far as winter goes, since it is somewhat coming coming towards us, I guess probably faster to you than me. You guys also clear snow or what, what's the deal with all the snow removal? Uh, we do. 
However, we're just a subcontractor for Outdoor Pride Landscaping. They're a big outfit in town. Our main focus wants to be dirt. So the first year when we were in business, uh, we quoted a couple of sites to plow ourselves and uh, didn't get it. And we had, uh, Craig and I had both worked for Outdoor Pride in the winters before. And Craig had actually worked for them full time at some point before we started our business. So we have a relationship with them. We're just subcontractors. And we're actually, we've actually been cutting back every year on the snow plowing. Uh, none of us particularly like doing it. You yeah. know, it's, it's never, never snows from seven in the morning to five at night. Uh, it's always in the middle of the night at terrible hours. So we actually only have, we used to plow with our loader and a pickup truck. And now we just have the loader on and uh, I mostly run that. And then Craig and Pat actually just run some of their equipment in the winter. Gotcha. Uh, so it's a, it's a good relationship. We do a lot of, we just actually finished up a commercial project for them last week. So it's a good relationship with another company that we have. And, you know, they're happy to have us for whatever we can give them in the winter. So I've always been, I've always been fascinated by snow because I'm from Arizona and we don't have much of that in Arizona, especially Phoenix, Arizona. So I never grew up around it, never understood that snow clearing, snow removal was a thing. And then now we spend a lot of time back East and it is fascinating to see these contracts and how they work. Cause like you said, I mean, you'll get six, eight, 12 inches overnight and it's just flat out get the damn snow out of there as fast as you can work as much as you can to, to just get the job done and it's so sporadic like you, you you can't really predict it it's it's a crazy business to be in yeah it's uh it's just something we don't want to get into yeah it's, uh the the outdoor fight there that is their game they are a snow removal company wow. um they do a lot i mean they have 35 loaders, 35 skid steers. I think they employ like 400 people in the winter. Wow. Um, it's crazy. So they, it's like opposite of us. They do commercial maintenance, but they kind of take it easy in the non-winter months. We like to take it easy in the winter months. Okay. So, you know, you always want to have a couple things I've learned. You always want to have a mix of like hourly rate jobs or like per push, they usually call them. So, you know, if you get two to four inches, it's this price, four to six, it's this price and so on. And then you also have a mix of like flat rate. So it's X amount of dollars for the entire snow season. So you kind of always want a mix of that yeah. um, because obviously if it's all flat rate and we have a huge winter, you're going to lose out. Yeah. Uh, if you're all hourly and we have no snow, you made no money. Mm. So it's an extremely tough business. In my experience, you either have to be all in or pretty much all out in order for snow plowing to actually make sense profit-wise because most of the companies around here just do it to keep their employees on through the winter yeah. and to keep making the payments on their equipment through the winter. That's the only thing. Like They're not actually making a great profit unless you are like who we sub for. And that is their, you know, that is their thing. That is crazy. So it's, it's a tough business. Yeah. It's like blood money. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hate it. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do enjoy watching you do it though. 
I've I've always watched uh, I've always watched your snow removal videos, and and there's something I don't know they're they're almost calming to watch because it's it's all dark, it, so you're just you, you just have what's lit yeah. up right in front of the loader. It's so it's so pretty, you know, fresh snow. I could just sit there all day and watch those videos. It's amazing. It blows my mind. My plowing videos are probably my most popular videos, yeah. and I think they're the most boring thing <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's amazing to me, even after 10 years of putting videos online on different platforms, it blows my mind what people find interesting and what people don't. Because I'll spend, I'll spend a two days editing a video, and it'll get a 1,000 views. Yeah. And then I'm like, just throw up a video of me, time lapse of me plowing. And it's, you know, a hundred thousand views. I'm like, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I've definitely noticed the plowing. People love the plowing videos. And I think it's all people that don't plow. <laughs> yeah. 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 They don't know how miserable it is. Um, exactly. <laughs> so I guess going to those, going back to the social media thing, uh, what are the opportunities that you've had through social media because you, you've done some pretty cool stuff and, and that's how I don't know where I met you originally but it was uh, maybe at, maybe at Dimensions you've, you've had a yep. lot of really unique opportunities what what are some of the opportunities you've had purely through your involvement in social media um well I'd say the first one was I was on a Discovery Channel TV show called Machines of Glory. I was actually on with Chris, uh, Let's Big 18. Oh, that's too bad. And uh, a buddy of his, yeah, I know, <laughs> uh, Justin. It was a ton of fun. It was, they only ended up filming, I think it was three pilot episodes. They did air, which was super cool on the Discovery Channel, uh, but it didn't end up getting picked up after that. And that, you know, they found me on social media, reached out, said, hey, think you might be a good fit for this. Do you want to, you know, audition? And kind of went from there. I mean, I've been all over the world because of this. It's, I've, uh, NCON has taken me to Sweden. Caterpillar, Ryan Neal took me to Japan. I've been all over the U.S. visiting, like, Case in New Holland took me to their skid steer plant in Wichita, Kansas. I've been all over the place for Caterpillar in the U.S. It's just amazing some of these opportunities. And some of the coolest ones have happened just in a couple last years. First being with Trimble. I was in the Dirt Kana one video and the second one uh, where we kind of made motocross tracks uh, using all the Trimble Earthworks gear and then had, uh, you know, professional riders come in and ride it and made those promo videos. More recently, I'm one of the three cat ambassadors, which has been a neat experience. And the most recent thing with that was I got to be in the new, when cat revived their trial videos, uh, I was one of the operators for their Pac-Man maze video. So it's just, you never know what can happen. You know, it's, I always tell people when they, should I, they always ask me, should I put up videos? Should I get into social media? I'm like, What's the worst that's going to happen? Nobody's going to watch, right? Yeah. You might as well put it up there and see what happens. So it's, it, it just blows my mind that the things that, and the opportunities that I've had because of it. And I mean, if you really think about it, I'm just a guy and I own an extremely small business with very, you know, like I only own one NCON and they take me to Sweden and 
like I'm part of this cat thing. I own two pieces of cat equipment. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's what you, it's how you represent yourself online. I think is why I've gotten these opportunities. I always try and be very genuine. You know, a lot of people ask me opinions on equipment and things like that. And I always try and be honest with them. You know, it's online to me, it's all about reputation. It can, it's taken me 10 years to build my reputation. And in one post, I could lose it all. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, no. And it's just, I've, got it. yeah. I mean, I've had to balance that too, because I used to be a little too brash at times early on mm-hmm. and my points are still valid and, and I don't regret what I was saying, but I wasn't delivering the message in a very good manner and, and ruffling yeah. a lot of feathers unnecessarily. And now that I'm yeah. in a position where I am now, it's you have to be more political and thoughtful about how you do things. And you can, I can tell that you're, you're very thoughtful about how you position yourself online and, and the things you say and, and how you represent yourself. Like you're, you're very, I don't, I don't think calculate is the right word because it's still pretty, it, it's very genuine. And, and I, I just, I love following along with you cause it's just, it's, it is what it is. It's real. But at the same time, you can tell that you're being smart about it. Yeah. You have to be professional. It, it's, I don't know. Cause I reach a lot of people and just to me, like one thing that drives me nuts about social media these days is too many people just want to be famous. I agree. And it's a whole bunch of pictures of their face, you know, even in the construction industry. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it should be really about the content in my opinion. And, and I feel like because I reach so many people, I have a responsibility to put out good information because there are way too many people that have a lot of followers and they put out some God awful, awful information out there. And unfortunately there's a lot of people out there that don't know better and they're quote unquote influencing, you know, this younger generation. And unfortunately they're influencing them improperly would be, I guess how I would say it. So that, that drives me nuts. So, I mean, like I, I almost never show my face. I don't want my content to be about me. I want it to be about what I'm doing, my business, the stuff I use. It's never been about me. I I love being able to walk around shows and I do get recognized, but not that much. And I like that. I'm not one who wants the spotlight or anything like that. Well, you just described about half my content. Because <laughs> half of it's totally incorrect, and the other half is all about me. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say that. You you do a good job. See, you, I like your stuff because you put a lot of humor into it, and you're not afraid to say you don't know. The problem yeah. is, is that a lot of people can't say that. They don't. They cannot say I don't know, and that drives me nuts. It's it's the same thing with business. When a customer comes to me and they're like, "Hey, can you do this?" I'll be like, "I'll be honest with you." we'll figure it out, but I have no clue what the hell this is. You know, it's the same thing with social media. It's like everybody tries to be an expert when they really aren't. And I think more than ever, people are starting to see through that with some people. And it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird place. (laughs) I I feel like that's where my age is an asset because I don't know very much. And 
so I, I mean, I don't even know what I don't know. So I, I, I guess with my age, it's easier to admit that I don't know just because I don't have a lot of experience with anything. And that, that has been one of the best things I've done as a business owner is, is just admit that, Hey, okay. So you want this done. Have we done this before? No, I don't know how to do this. We're going to figure it out together and we might screw it up. If we do, we're going to make it right. So at the end of the day, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Well, we're going to make sure it's done right. However, getting there, I don't know how it's going to work out, but we'll, we'll just give it our, our best shot. That's how we've grown our entire business is through those honest conversations. Like I'm going into a lot of sales conversations this week about 2021 with a lot of the companies we work with. And a big piece of it is just going to be being super honest about our business. Like, Hey, okay. So here's where we are at the end of 2020. Like here's where our business stands. Here's where we want to go in 2021 from a dollar's perspective. Here's where you fit into that and and just be super honest with them and, and almost ask their opinion. Like, so how do we make this happen? How do we make this a win for us and a win for you? It's those transparent conversations that have, have gone so, so far for us. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. I mean, some of the jobs that we've done and some of these, you know, houses and builders that we've, you know, multi-million dollar houses that, to be honest with you, we didn't really have much business, you know, being the person doing that site work. And, but, hey, we're going to figure it out. Uh, we're going to make it work. And we're going to make sure you're happy at the end of the day. So it's, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as long as you're willing to make the effort to figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't use it to, as an excuse, but I feel like there's more power in admitting that you don't know what you're doing than trying to act like you do. There's, there's power in it. Yeah. And people think it makes them weak and vulnerable. I would argue the opposite. I would, I would, I would argue that it makes you stronger. Because you're, you're at least yeah. you're acknowledging your weakness and you're opening your mind up to, well, I don't know how to do it, but I'm, I want to learn. And that's, I mean, that's, that's how you do anything. It's not even business. It's, it's anything. You know, the, the best operators are the ones that still show up every day with a chip on their shoulder, with something to prove and with more to learn. And, and we all know, I mean, we've been around, probably everyone listening to this has been around people that they, they show up and they act like they know everything. They're the worst ones out there to work with by far. Exactly. Well, on going back to Caterpillar, what was the behind the scenes of that Pac-Man video like? Uh, it was cool. That was, uh, so being a part of these videos, I always feel when the video comes out, it never truly captures everything that happened. And I think it's because they're always trying to make these short videos and these videos could be like eight minutes long. And I'm very confident people would watch them. Yeah. Um, but what do you know? It was, Exactly. I don't know anything. Yeah. It was super cool. The, the, the guys that were there, you know, so it was during COVID. So it was very interesting. Cat obviously being a big corporation took like a gazillion steps to make sure we were good. Everybody was masked. And actually the only, the five of us playing were the only people that didn't wear masks during the filming. It was great to get to know the other four players. You know, one of them was a customer. Pac-Man was a customer from Peoria area. Uh, the Blue Ghost was a one of the finalists in the Global Operator Challenge. Oh, wow. The Red Ghost was the driver of the e-racing car for NASCAR for Richard Childress Racing, so wow. the Caterpillar car. And then Pink 
was actually a, a kind of a pretty cool story. He is a professional gamer, I guess you call it. He has a YouTube channel with 3 million followers, so that is his job. But he actually used to be an engineer. Hmm. So he had experience on job sites. He had never run a piece of equipment, but he at least, you know, knew what was going on. So it was just, it was a cool mix of people in it. And just being there, hanging out with them, talking with them, getting to know them was really neat. And then for actually like playing. So we filmed for, I think it was two and a half days for that, whatever, four minute video. It's kind of crazy. So they kind of had like, you know, there was a script and, and a routine that we were doing. So there was, you know, specific movements that we made in the maze. And to be honest with you, it was, it was pretty difficult because the maze is gigantic. It was, I think, like 130 by 200 feet, something like that. It was huge. And you have these little skid steers that you're running from remote control on the outside of the maze. And you're trying to drive through the maze with it. And they're all recessed down into the ground, like four feet. Yeah. So it was, it was difficult, but it was a ton of fun. It was, you know, like you have some experience flying drones, right? Uh, I've experienced crashing drones. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of how the, the shoot went. Everybody yeah. was, you know, a little, little crashing because as you know, if the drone's flying straight away from you or straight towards you, it's pretty easy to control. Right. But once it starts flying across you, it's hard to exactly see where that goes. So it was the same thing with the maze as you drove across and then you have to make a turn. You know, it's very disorienting of which way you need to turn and everything. So um, we had a couple crashes, but uh, everybody was pretty good. That was, that was my next question. Cause I, I saw that. I'm like, there's no way in hell that they didn't run into shit with those originally. Like there's just no way it, it, it's, and I've, I've run the remote control skids years before they're, they're they're a little tricky. I mean, it's it's pretty clever, but at the same time, it's very tricky to run a machine that you're looking at, especially from probably as far as you were away from these machines. It's it's a it's a whole different skill set than running a yeah. machine. Yeah, we we only had well, I would say all the machines were marked up by the end of it. Yeah, that's for sure. And we only <laughs> had one. We had one. Uh, I call it a significant strike. Maybe um, we had a. Uh, a bent rim on a skid steer uh, by uh, by the NASCAR driver. Go figure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was really the only thing, and, and luckily it happened uh, literally at the end of the shoot, so uh, it didn't slow anything down. So. Nice. Well, well, we all know Caterpillar loves to sell parts, so that's not a problem for them. Exactly. I, and it's funny you say about the, the video and, and, and seeing it after the fact. We were talking about it this past week when it came out, and – the video itself, I, you know, okay. I was, we were all more interested in the, the behind the scenes of, you know, like Ryan Neal talking about how they actually dug it out and what it actually took to make this thing happen and, and what it looks like, you know, how, how, how they orchestrated this. All of that was far more fascinating than the video itself, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the, what went in to build that was absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, so how it was explained to me is they actually pushed all of that dirt out with the D11. Then they pushed it all back in, in lifts and watered it and compacted it and brought it all up perfectly flat. And then they worked from that flat surface and dug out the maze 
because what they needed was the dirt to stay vertical yeah. for like two weeks wow. for all their shooting and everything, you yeah. know, through rain or whatever weather happened. And they dug it. Brian, the operator, who is an excellent operator, dug it all out. I think it took him about 70 hours. He told me all GPS, no stakes. Like, you know, that's a very intricate thing to dig out. And to be able to do that all with technology is pretty freaking cool. Yeah. But I totally agree. You know, it's the behind the scenes stuff. I, you know, I like the original video because I was in it, obviously. So that's kind of obviously. cool experience for me. Yeah. Um, but celebrity. yeah, the behind the scenes stuff, <laughs> all the, all the time lapse, like they put out of, uh, you know, how it was created, you know, that stuff to me was just fascinating. Well, and, 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 you know, the concept of the cat trials, I guess there were, so there's, there's two parts to it. It's one demonstrating the capabilities of Caterpillar equipment and then two appealing to a mass audience to get the cat brand out there even further. So Obviously, the finished video was more so appealing to that mass audience. It wasn't really geared towards people that run equipment. It's geared towards expanding the brand, which I get. You know, it's cat, corporate, all that. But as far as like cat trials, showing the capabilities of their equipment, them digging that out with no stakes, like that in itself is freaking wild like that's all you need to show as far as demonstrating capabilities and technology goes like that's that's something else right yeah yeah i i agree it's i mean i like these things that these companies are starting to do i would call it non-traditional marketing for them especially you know where it's not just look at this piece of equipment it's the greatest thing ever because we built it and what else would you expect us to say (laughs) um you know it's actually like getting out there and doing something with the equipment doing it with customers that's a novel idea right yeah like yeah show it show it in real life so i'm although some of these videos i think could be better i think they are at least moving in the right direction which is kind of exciting for me from seeing all the boring videos, you know, of, you know, I don't know why some of these big companies think that like YouTube is where you basically do like a press release on a machine. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's not where, that's not what this platform is for. Show it. You don't stand in front of the machine and talk about it and put it on YouTube. That's not the purpose. It's people go to YouTube to watch action. They want to see movement, like show the machine working and maybe talk about it. Like, it just blows my mind that some of, and it's not just Caterpillar, it's, it's all of them. It's, yeah, they they're all, all guilty of it. Yeah. I, oh, they all suck. That was the most disappointing thing about me going to these press events early on was they just pull up a, a fancy brand new piece of equipment with a yellow bucket on it and then sit there and talk about it. It's like, I don't want to hear you talk about all these made up statistics. I don't care. Like Ryan, love you, but I don't want to hear you just talk about this damn thing. Just can you get in it and actually run it? Can you actually show me what it does? For God's sakes, I mean it, it digs. So dig with it. Let's not talk about it. Yep. That'll be a hell of a lot better than 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 just looking at it stationary. It 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 was kind of disappointing to me early on. That was one of my early disappointments as far as the press events goes because it is just all about talking about stationary equipment and it's like who cares? No one cares. At least I don't. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think these big companies, you know, especially in this day and age with social media, I mean, you have that platform. I mean, they all have lots of followers and they just, 
and look at like how many people like posts of these big corporate companies or comment on them. It's, it's horrible compared yeah. to, you know, their follower count. So I don't know why they're not learning that the content that they're putting out that nobody really wants to see it. They want to see action. They want to see customers. They want to see, you know, something besides just the normal old crap that they've been putting up for 10 years. You know, being more, being more positive though, one company that you're involved in that has done, in my opinion, a very good job is Encon. They've really, yeah. I mean, shit, they, they, that's how they've grown their brand across the entire country is through people like you and Ryan Goodfellow and some of these other folks yeah. that, that have these Encons. Like it's, it's what they've done is very clever because they've made it all about you guys and your businesses. I totally agree. And they're awesome people to deal with. I've been told that they have not spent $1 of marketing outside of social media wow. for the entire United States. I'd say it's worked out okay amazing. for them. Yeah. It definitely has. Yeah. It definitely has. Well, it just shows you the power of independent people on social media. Yes. You know, I know Ryan talks to a million people. I talk to a million people. You know, that's one of my big things is I respond to every single private message that I get. Wow. You know, unless it's obviously you can tell when they're just a bunch of crap. Yeah. But that's something that I pride myself on. And I think that's why I have a good connection with my followers. I know Ryan does the same exact thing. And I know that's why he has a good connection with his followers. So I get messages. I probably get five plus messages a day from people who I've never talked to before. Just asking about something that I own or getting into the business or just anything business related. And it's usually other small business owners, you know, looking, you know, they see my videos of either plowing or running the tilt rotator or whatever piece of equipment that we have that is making us more efficient and they're interested in it. Mm. You know, it's, it's a big difference when you can talk to these people getting back to how we started this whole thing. It's like you can talk to other people that own these products and get their opinion. And 99% of the time, they're going to get back to you and give you their honest opinion of, does it suck or is it really that good? Yeah. So it's like, it's that cool time that we're in where there's so many, so much information out there. And yeah, I mean, I think more of these companies need to start leveraging that. You know, you have all these people out there, especially people already using their product. It's like, why don't you get together with them and make videos or support them better or help them out better. So I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for that. I agree. What, like what piece of technology or, or piece of equipment has changed your business the most, would you say? Is it the Encon or, or what, what is that? Um, I would say the Trimble stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that it just saves so much time. And it literally, especially being a small company, it eliminates that person from checking grades. And it doesn't mean, I argue with people all the time, it doesn't mean you fire that person who is checking grades. It means yeah. they can go do something else productive. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and it's just, you know, especially for the work that we do, which we're primarily, you know, digging new houses and doing small commercial work, that Trimble system is getting used almost daily on every job. And it's just something that saves so much time. It's, it's just such a, a neat tool and... You know, I remember the days when I used to take a, a magnetic mounted laser receiver 
and throw it on the boom of my mini excavator. And that mm-hmm. was my grade check. And yeah. now you get to see where we're at with all this technology. It's pretty amazing. The GPS technology and technology in general is, is a lot like social media though. It's these companies, they don't take advantage of it for some reason as well. And especially smaller companies like yours, they'll, they'll say, well, it's just too expensive. I can't afford that. It's, it's, I'm too small for that. And, and, but then I sit there thinking like, well, no, you're, you're probably the perfect customer for something like this. And yeah, it's a big investment, but that's the name of the game. You have to invest in the latest and greatest to do your job better. And ultimately you'll, you'll end up making a lot more money than you are right now. It's not just wasted money. It's, it's amazing to me how most companies don't take advantage of it still to this day, even with how proven it is. Yeah. The number one question I get about, it doesn't matter what it is. It's how much does that cost? Yeah. And I firmly believe that is the wrong question to ask. Uh. It is how much does that save you? Uh-huh. Because it doesn't matter how much it costs. I mean, it does, right? Because you have to be able to pay for it. Correct. But it really doesn't matter because if your return on investment, like, so let's just take the Encon, right? So my setup when I first got it, 65 grand. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. You could go buy a nice used machine for that price. Oh, yeah. Uh, it actually cost, cost more than the John Deere when we bought it. Um, <laughs> funny enough but so we did the math and our return on investment was about a year and a half of use wow so if i just told you just forget everything about construction if i said hey you give me 65 grand i'm going to invest it where you're going to make your money back in a year and a half and then from a year and a half on you're going to start putting all that money in your pocket would you do it Mm -hmm. of course you would yeah right so People just look at these things. I don't understand why, to be totally honest with you. I don't understand why people don't look at it on as an investment and what you get out of it. Obviously, these companies are making these products for a reason, right? And people are buying them for a reason. It saves them money. It makes them more efficient. gets your job done quicker. It puts more money in the business's pocket. Yes. And... Everybody just gets hung up on how much does it cost? Oh, I can't afford that. Well, you got to look at it differently. You know, it's funny. It, it, that's, I mean, that's for my business. I don't really invest in technology. I invest in people. That's a majority of our expenses is, is in people. And the day I started framing, adding salaries to the company as, Oh, like I used to view it as a negative thing. Oh man, I have to go add another, you know, $50,000 salary. This sucks. Like another 50 grand. How am I going to like, that's a lot of damn money. And then you start framing it as, wow, I get to add another 50. Like I may, I get to make another $50,000 investment in this human being. What's the return on that going to be? This is going to be so cool. And then you start to see the return materialize over the next few months. And you're like, I can't believe I stressed about that money to begin with. That was just so stupid of me. Once you get past that initial well, what does it cost? Or, you know, what do I need to spend or this and this and that? Everything becomes a lot easier, I feel like. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And it's really hard for people to see that. I, I understand why they don't see it, especially in construction, because, like, I can't charge any more money because I have a Trimble system Correct. or I have an NCON. Yes. Like, I don't get an extra hourly rate. Yep. So that really scares people. Okay, and I'm investing all this money and I can't charge anymore. Well, 
how the hell is that going to make me money? Well, yeah. it makes you more efficient. So it gets jobs done quicker, which means you can go onto your next job quicker. So you end up doing, I mean, that's how we do so many jobs at once is we are extremely, extremely efficient. And because we have all this technology, we're actually delivering a better product in a faster time to our customers. You know, we have all these attachments for the NCON, like the compaction attachments. Most guys, when they backfill a foundation, they just throw the dirt up against the wall and run a reversible hand plate compactor around like flight. Okay, but I can backfill the wall and compact it properly in half the time as you. Mm -hmm. So now my customer is getting a better product. I finished in half the time, which allows me to go on to the next job. So as that goes through the year, I mean, we could do 10 more jobs in a year just because of the technology that we have. So there's your return on investment. You know, when I was talking about the NCON and return on investment in a year and a half, that was just in hours used. Never mind everything else. That is crazy. I, I'd be willing to bet we paid for that income in one year of use. Wow. Just with, you know, increased production and the more jobs that we got done. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do with everything. You know, we just bought a Thunder Creek fuel trailer. Everybody's like, oh my God, you spent 40 grand on a fuel trailer? It's like, well, I can't fuel all my stuff and it's costing me so much money fueling up at the pump in my transfer tanks. And, you know, you just got to do the math out on all these things that you can invest in mm-hmm. to make your, your company more efficient. Yeah. So, well, I'm going to let you get back to your Sunday here. Cause we've been talking a while and I, I don't, I don't want your wife upset at me for taking your valuable time off here, <laughs> but what, uh, I guess to wrap up, what's, you know, what's your common advice to younger, younger people that reach out, maybe starting a business, maybe starting in the industry. What kind of advice do you have for them? Um, I highly encourage it. I love being in this industry. It's different every day. You could be doing the same exact thing one day to the next, but you might be on a different job site. So it's different. Yeah. You know, it's ever changing. It never goes to plan. (laughs) The best way plans always go to shit because something happens. You're outside, you're in the weather. So if you're somebody that just likes to get stuff done, loves to just figure things out in the field, you know, this is, definitely for you you can make really good money you know there's there's less and less people doing this as we know so wages are going up to find those good people so don't be afraid of not getting paid well and if you're wanting to open your own business go for it you know you you can't uh, succeed unless you try and you know don't be afraid to go out there don't be jealous of other people just you know focus on you and have goals, be very goal orientated and don't be like, oh, you know, my competitor has nicer machines and stuff and I can't compete. You know, rent to start, you know, start small, rent to start. That's what we did. Rent things. If you don't have work, send them back. Yeah. Don't, don't take on a ton of debt when you first start out. It's the hardest time. You know, you're just getting your name out there, but you know, go for it. Love it. That's my advice. Love it. Well, Mr. Tom Gardaki, the Dirt Ninja, I appreciate it. How do people follow along if they aren't already following along? Everyone listening to this is probably already following along, but probably. maybe there's that one person that isn't. 
maybe the the second person out of the two people that are listening. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listener, listener two, <laughs> listener one, probably probably checking out your snowplow videos. So what's <laughs> how, where where do they go to find you? <laughs> um, if you go on YouTube, the Dirt Ninja, Facebook, the Dirt Ninja, and Instagram, the Dirt Ninja. So pretty easy. Easy enough. All right, man. Well, I appreciate all the time. Thanks for uh, thanks for the chat. Yes, for having me. It's been great. Yes, sir. And with that, going to wrap up another episode here. So if you liked it, go on and share it with a friend. Share it with your family. Share it with somebody, maybe a stranger on the street. Hey, I just listened to this awesome episode about NCONs. Maybe they don't even know what NCONs are. They'll learn about it in this one. So go on down the road, share it, please. Um, we'd really appreciate that. I've been Loving all the comments that we're getting, loving all the the sharing everyone's doing. It's sincerely appreciated and, and really cool to see. So I will see you on the next one. And until then, stay dirty, everybody.